My name is Liz Noss, and I'm your host for everything culture, arts, and entertainment. This is House Lights, your one-stop shop for everything you need to hear about this week. So this week, we're back with another House Lights. I'm so excited to talk some more tea with you. Last week, if you remember, I actually went to the John Mulaney show from scratch. It's his new comedy special. Um, it focuses on his rehabilitation journey. So it was, it was amazing. Like, if we're being honest, it was amazing. I honestly forgot how funny he is. My cheeks were literally hurting from like how much I was smiling the entire time. Actually like I have a permanent retainer in my mouth so I got like a sore from like my cheek being up the entire time. It was it was hysterical. His opening acts were good too but like nothing in my opinion nothing beats John Mulaney. So at the very start of the show he talked about how he was like a new John like this isn't gonna be like how he used to perform like he's not jumping around and screaming and he said obviously I was like that for a reason because he had a cocaine addiction and I was like a little scared when he said that because I have loved every one of his comedy specials and so it did feel like the entering of a new era but like he jumped literally right back into like the same comedy routine he was pulling the same jokes he had the same sarcasm I mean it was it was incredible my honest to god favorite part of this show was he actually spoke to an audience member like the entire like cop great hall in the wharton center went silent so that he could talk to this other addict who was in the audience and for like an a-list comedian to like listen to someone in the audience was absolutely inspiring it was insane she told her own rehabilitation story she was like on meth and cocaine and was taking pills so it was it was an intense intense story but John really handled it so so well he gave her the respect he didn't really joke about the scenario but he was definitely like making little funny comments but not in a disrespectful way it was very much like the audience and him were on the same level of respect because we're all listening to him tell his story and so he's listening to the audience tell their story back to him it was a very just like moment where everyone was equal in the Wharton Center it was amazing and ever and it was cool because everyone listened to her experience just as we had listened to this a-lister tell his so it, it was really all about human connection between audience and performer like it was it was great you could have heard you could have heard a pin drop in the audience when he was talking to her and I just thought that was amazing. The story like the story of the comedy special was really centered around his rehabilitation which is a very very intense subject to cover but he made it like very funny like I don't want to spoil too many parts because obviously I don't want to get sued by Netflix if this becomes a comedy special but some of my favorite parts he was talking about was like he had a very A-list intervention like Seth Meyers was there, Bill Hader, Nick Kroll, all of his friends in the comedy special. So it sort of like added a little bit of an extra like funny level to it, which was really great. And then he also near the end touched on this GQ interview he did like at his like worst when he was most coked up. And it was it was hysterical to hear like him read back words of when he was like on drugs. It was it was hysterical. 
he the one thing that I thought he would bring up but he did not like literally everything was covered in this like he did not leave any vulnerable parts out except for this which is so crazy because it was such a big deal in the media he did not talk about his divorce with his wife his cheating accusations with Olivia Munn or the child that he had with Olivia Munn there was no talk of him being a dad, no talk of him being in a new relationship, no talk about his divorce. So I feel like he might have like, he might have done that because he wants to move on from that like scrutiny. It was more of like a tabloids issue. But honestly, with him being as vulnerable about everything else in his life other than this, it made it feel like he was hiding a little bit of his life still, even though it doesn't matter how vulnerable you can be about rehabilitation. Like if you're not going to share a part of your life, which I understand that is your family life, that is private, but the fact that it was so in the media kind of felt awkward that he didn't bring it up. But I do understand that there are boundaries still for performers and that we should respect that, but I just thought it was a little strange. That's all. I did buy his shirt, the one that like has literally been circulating everywhere since he was on this tour that says, I saw him right after he got out of rehab. It was literally $40, but I knew I had to buy it. I actually have a little bit of a funny story about this. So literally when I got up there, like I usually wear like a large and I got up there and she was like, there's only smalls left. And I was like, this is God telling me I do not need to spend $40 on this shirt. But then the woman started talking to me like we were, I was just talking about how much like I was disappointed because I really liked the shirt. I didn't really think I wanted to buy anything else because it was just like posters and tote bags on this one shirt that was like not as cute left. So I was like talking about how disappointed I was. But then the woman was like, well, actually the one hanging up is a medium. Do you want that? And I was like, sure, why not? So I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll take it. And literally this guy that was in front of me that had already decided that he didn't want the shirt <laughs> said, oh, I'll, I'll take it. You still have more? I'll have the medium. I was like, are you literally kidding me? She offered it to me, not to you. So I got so upset, but then she ended up having two more mediums because it was like one was showing the front of it and the other was showing the back of the shirt. So she did end up having two mediums. So I did not have to beat up this man, but I was close to it. Like, why are you butting in my conversation? Let me take the medium, be a gentleman. Anyways. So that was my experience with John Mulaney. It was it was an amazing show. Honestly, like it felt like once in a lifetime that he's coming to my college town when I'm there, like, and I'm covering entertainment. I had to be there. All right, so this week we're gonna get into talking tea now, talking Twitter tea, my favorite part of this whole show. So exciting. All right, so we got a lot to talk about this week. The first thing that maybe hasn't been as heard of as the rest of the things on my agenda I want to talk about is Tana Mojo. Tana Mojo got an offer to do TanaCon again. And I hope that you're also freaking out about this because it was literally the fire festival of influencer festivals and I cannot wait to talk about this with you. So she basically posted TikTok saying like she's thinking about redoing it. She got an offer from like maybe a managing company to um, redo TanaCon the right way. So let's talk about the old TanaCon. The old TanaCon drama should never be lost in time because honestly it was my favorite drama that has ever happened in influencer history. Tana Mojo is one of my favorite people on the internet to cover because she constantly has just like scandals around her all the time and that's how she makes her money. I mean she started out as a story time YouTuber and she's really taken that to an extent now and had every single event that's happened in her life breed controversy on the internet. So honestly, TanaCon was like one of the best things to come out of like, I believe it was like 2018 drama on the internet. 
So the way it started, she wanted to do her own VidCon because she was actually not invited back to VidCon, which is like the YouTube and Google um, sponsored event for creators online. She was not invited. So she basically poached a bunch of the YouTubers that are usually invited back to VidCon to be on her own convention that was also in Anaheim the same weekend that VidCon was. So she wanted to do events and like talking tables and meet and greets just like VidCon. It was the same thing except it was basically all her friends that she wanted to round up which honestly all her friends at the time were all very influential. Like I think Emma Chamberlain was in her prime at this time and she was one of the biggest people there. She had like David Dobrik, like so she she was getting all the people that were hot at the time. However, she did not plan correctly for this event at all. She oversold tickets, she oversold the VIP tickets so there are way more people than should have been at the event team. So people were literally waiting out outside all day outside in Anaheim, California in the like late spring, summertime and people were not getting in. Ambulances were actually called to come to the scene because people were like passing out, there wasn't enough water. Like the people that were already inside of the convention were at meet and greets while there were like thousands of people outside trying to get in. She actually had to cancel the event within the first hours of the first day. Apparently she had no idea what was going on inside because, I mean, going on outside because she was inside planning all these events. She like officiated a wedding in one of the first few hours of TanaCon, which is so funny to me. So she had no idea what was going on. But basically everyone kind of blamed her because, I mean, it was under her name. This is your responsibility to make this event what it was supposed to be. You promised people a VidCon-like experience and now you're having people literally pass out in front of it. Anyway, Shane Dawson was also a really big part of this controversy. He like this, I believe that TanaCon was the start of Shane Dawson's end in relevancy on the internet because he wants to poke his nose into everything. Him and Tana were good friends at the time, so he actually decided that he was going to make a documentary series on YouTube about this event, which is like, just basically exploiting Tana's frustration and some of, and like one of the biggest dramas like ever. Like people's like actual lives were like impacted by this, like financially, you know, some medically. And however, he wanted to make a documentary exploiting it, being the one who's getting all the primary resources on this thing that was the biggest thing on Twitter. In the documentary, I remember they pretty much blamed everything on management, which was honestly pretty beneficial to Tana to be able to play the victim and blame everything on her management. And honestly, I felt like it was very much a conflict of interest if this really wanted to be a real documentary. They were too close of friends, and honestly, it did not feel like a transparent documentary. It felt like a friend helping out a friend with public relations, which is kind of nasty. Now Shane Dawson actually actually commented on that TikTok saying that he wants to be invited back. He wants to be a part of this new TanaCon that's going to be made. And he's basically, I feel like, trying to escape being canceled, which has happened to him in the past because of his predatory conversations that have happened with children in the past. Just sort of like weird things that have happened on his account that many people sort of labeled him a creep for, as well as his just straight up cringy behavior. I feel like he's trying to escape this cancellation by trying to do this but it's like you're going into another canceled youtubers like area of expertise and you're being a part of that to try and become relevant again that just seems really shady and i feel like they honestly just feed off each other's press 
So that's not really, I feel like that's not what social media should be, but it obviously is. And you know that if TanaCon happens, I will be covering it. Hopefully it's, if, if it is released, it will be. I really wanna write a piece on the history of it, why it's important that this is happening again, and um, how it, what it says about social media is like, need to feed off of toxic behavior of influencers. Personally, I think that Tana just kind of works for cash grabs. And like, if she's looking for that, fantastic. Because you're doing it well, queen. But just like, I felt like her relationship with Jake Paul was the same exact way. Very much for press, very much for staying relevant on the internet. So, however, I feel like with this, rather than her relationship with Jake Paul, like, TanaCon will always be met with scrutiny because of what happened in the past. So I feel like there's not any helping her reputation when it comes to event planning. Maybe she should let other people plan events instead of doing that. All right, so transitioning into the queen. Queen Elizabeth II has passed away. I feel like this isn't really tea, but it is something that needs to be talked about. I ended up doing the breaking news for it. So I was very much like into it the minute it happened. First of all, social media went absolutely like insanely on two separate sides of how people were reacting. One side was making memes about it, which honestly is a little insensitive for someone's death, but that's how social media is always gonna react because if you're not gonna laugh, you're gonna cry about it. And then other people were posting like sappy Instagram posts about like, and even like people in America were posting sappy Instagram posts for Elizabeth Seth. I'm like, I feel like that's kind of heartless. Like, I feel like you didn't really know her, but I mean, she is an international icon. Who can say, you know, who can say who can post what? But like, honestly, the reposting of any Instagram graphic is so effortless that it just feels like, why are you posting this? Why do you feel the need to show your empathy for Queen Elizabeth on social media? It's 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 an insanely thing it's like an insane thing that's just so not transparent of what people's actual motives are but moving on that's not really the two that i want to talk about i also want to talk about how the reunion is so filled with drama that like the excommunicated royals like with Meghan markle and um prince prince harry are coming back into the spotlight coming back to mourn his grandmother's death so there's like some drama there. Apparently they're all reuniting for some of the first times. The Daily Mail, even though I'm not really sure I want to quote the Daily Mail, is saying that there's drama between the royals. So I will keep you updated on that. But apparently the funeral is set for next week at some point. Apparently it's like September 19th. So I'm sure there will be more press coming out of that. I'm sure it'll be a huge event with tons of A-listers, probably both British and American. So it'll be interesting to watch. However, I did want to talk about how no one wants King Charles, sorry, Prince Charles to be king now, even though he was now, he's on the throne now. So that is interesting. So basically people have beef with Charles because of his relationship with, with the late Princess Diana. Basically, like the one of the things that I, that I got from the people that I was interviewing was that they did not want King, like Charles to be king because of what he did to Diana. So it obviously is still striking a chord with people. So I did a little research on it and apparently he cheated on Diana before they were even married and like Diana was sort of pressured into still marrying him like because she thought it was too late to go through with the marriage and went through with it even though Charles literally like I think the week before was caught buying gifts 
for his mistress at the time, which is so crazy. He cheated on her also after they had children. However, Diana also had accusations of cheating on her, but of course, you know, Charles sort of drove her to that point. So I think that's why people have so much like beef with Charles becoming king because of his like extramarital affairs, which is valid, but I also have beef with the royal family in general because I'm not quite sure what they do other than be figureheads for the British community. So I'm not really sure if he has any actual, you know, government intel or power. So actually I don't really have beef with it. That family has been having drama for literally centuries, like like for so long. I mean, let's just talk about, you know, in, you know, the one that had all the wives. So obviously there's been drama with relationships for as long as we can remember. So maybe Charles shouldn't be getting the brunt of it, but of course, respect your wife. And I understand why people are not too happy with him. All right, the last thing sort of ties into this as well. Trisha Paytas went into labor and it was a really big deal because she went to labor the exact same day that Queen Elizabeth II died uh, on September 8th, just hours before she died. And the internet sort of like blew up talking about how she's gonna, her child was going to be the reincarnation of Queen Elizabeth. And sort of the joke was that she was incubating the queen because it, and it, it's sort of like circulating on TikTok that Trisha Paytas has been pregnant for so long and like people thought that she was like faking her pregnancy for PR. It's not the craziest thing that Trisha Paytas has done with her history of just being problematic on the internet. So I understand why people might have made a thought that, but I actually looked it up. She actually announced her pregnancy back in February. So honestly, it's been like seven months. So it's actually a pretty good timeline for announcing a pregnancy and now going into labor. So it, I don't know why it's felt so long. Maybe 2022 just has been really long for people, but she has been pregnant for a reasonable amount of time. Good for her. She's not incubating the queen. It was actually, it was, it was like released on Twitter that she had named her child Elizabeth and that was debunked. That was a fake tweet. She didn't even give birth. She like said on that September 8th that she had been dilated a centimeter, so she was going into labor, but then it was revealed that she didn't even have give birth. So Queen Elizabeth is not being reincarnated. Well, maybe. She might have been reincarnated in another person's baby, but not in Trisha Paytas' baby as she's still pregnant. Uh, Trisha actually responded to these jokes on TikTok, so obviously she's, I mean, she she's the type of person to have Twitter notifications for her name. Uh, on at all times so I'm sure she's like watching all the drama and just laughing at us but it is confirmed she did not birth the young Queen Elizabeth II. So that's it for Talking Tea this week. Music, movies, and entertainment this week. I'm just going to talk about everything that happened at D23 which was Disney Plus and just I think just Disney's expo in general uh, happened this weekend so I'm going to talk about what was announced this week. Things that I'm most excited about. First up, the new Percy Jackson teaser was just dropped for the show, um, and I'm actually very, very excited about this. I actually never read any of the books, but I, well, I read one of the books, but I did not continue with the series. However, this trailer looks beautiful. I'm so excited to watch it, and I think the biggest part of it that was like exciting for me was that 
it is an actual child playing Percy Jackson and not the literal man Logan Lerman. Like, I'm pretty sure in the books he's, like, supposed to be 12 years old. And Logan Lerman, I think, signed on when he was, like, a late teenager. So this actually looks like it's going to be more realistic and probably give the fans more of what they wanted. Also, the new Dancing with the Stars season has been released of, like, the, um, the dancers that are going to be on the show. It is a very interesting season, to say the least. Um, not only is Charlie D'Amelio, like, the headliner of this new season, but so is her mom, Heidi. So I was really confused about that. But apparently everyone in this family is now a star. So we're not only, it's going to be a mother-daughter dynamic on Dancing with the Stars. And who better to do that than the Charlie, the D'Amelio family themselves um, after they have, like, this whole reality show. So... That'll be interesting. Also, Gabby from literally the last Bachelorette season that I think just ended is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. So she's probably trying to get in her last 15 minutes of fame from the ABC show, um, from the ABC network, as long as she can. Um, so that'll be interesting. Jordan Sparks. This is probably the one that I'm most excited about. Jordan Sparks is going to be on the season. Blast from the past. But that song, Battlefield, was like in my childhood. I used to have it on my Wii Karaoke games so I'm excited to see her on the season. The last one that I was really concerned about is Teresa from Real Housewives is going to be on there. Apparently she just needs more bank after she literally scammed the government um, out of money and going to prison for it with her husband but I'm sure that Dancing with the Stars will clean her act right up. Honestly Dancing with the Stars was not always my thing. I've been more of a so you think you can dance girly myself but Dancing with Stars is pretty important. I think it's a pretty cultural um, brick in our lives. So the new season has been updated at D23. Sorry, I had to take a drink of water. Anyways, the next thing that I'm very, very excited about was the Disenchanted trailer, which is the sequel to Enchanted, has been released. This was one of my favorite movies back when I was a kid. And the full cast is back for the show. Like Amy Adams, McDreamy from Grey's Anatomy, like everyone is back. James Marsden too, like Idina Menzel. Oh my gosh, Idina Menzel is taking a break from being a Broadway queen to do this movie again. And the one thing I didn't love about it is that Maya Rudolph is gonna be in it, but I will put up with her so that I can see Amy Adams absolutely killing it back where she should be, which is great. It also looks like from the trailer, that Amy Adams is gonna be the villain, like seemingly getting caught up in like what she wants her fairy tale to be like and doing it at like all costs, which is such an awesome twist. I think that that's a great way to form a sequel to this movie and I'm gonna love to see someone like her, who's, who's usually like very straight laced, play a villain. So that's gonna be great. The new National Treasure trailer came out, which is exciting. I've actually never been a National Treasure girl, but I was glad to see that a younger woman is going to be playing the protagonist in National Treasure, and I'm absolutely excited that there is no Nick Cage in this production, at least so far in the trailer. So that's really all I could ask for. The BTS concert film is going to be released on Disney+. Plus. I've always been a concert girl, like a concert doc girly. One Direction's This Is Us, Katy Perry Part of Me, Justin Bieber, Never Say Never, like that was my stuff back then. So I feel like this is going to be this generation's like big star concert documentary, which is exciting. I'm not usually a BTS girl, but I'll probably watch it because I love the idea of a concert documentary. I literally have 
all three of the ones I just mentioned on DVD somewhere at my house. I still watch the One Direction one and the Katy Perry one. So interesting. Anyways, there are also two new Star Wars releases, Willow and Andor, both had a trailer come out. Seemingly, we're going to be creating a new leg of the Lucasfilms industry, creating a new trilogy perhaps, which honestly, I feel like the acquisition of Star Wars, Lucasfilms industries should be the most profitable for Disney. However, here comes Marvel into the Disney universe creating huge, huge waves this week at D23. Two of the most exciting trailers that I thought came out this week were the Marvel ones. Honestly, I feel like Marvel's probably the most anticipated thing to come out of the expo and most most anticipated by me as well. I'm honestly not a diehard fan of Marvel, but I stand by the fact that Marvel produces every single time. They produce hit after hit. And honestly, I feel like with these two releases, they're really stepping out of their comfort zone out of such like a formulaic thing, like as a superhero movie. So the first one that I thought was really exciting was Werewolf by Night. Um, it looks like a 1930s style horror movie. It's black and white, something very out of the norm for Marvel, but that's why I'm so excited about this one. I love a black and white horror movie, like get it, like going back to the roots of what horror was. Like if you remember The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, that was an amazing movie. Absolutely snubbed by the Academy, but we don't have to talk about that on this episode. But I feel like this is going to very much emulate it. I feel like it also could be very campy, um, so that's exciting. The other one that was exciting was Secret Invasion. Sam Jackson is back as Nick Fury. I can't think of her name right now, but Robin from How I Met Your Mother is going to be back in it. This looks like more of a spy thriller rather than like a superhero movie, focusing more on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is so cool. I love a good spy thriller if it's done well, and you know Marvel does everything well. So I think that these are going to be two of the most anticipated things that came out of this expo. So excited to see Marvel doing something different and stepping out. Definitely bringing a shift in like what people like what people are going to come in for for Marvel. So I think that that is great. After you know, kind of wrapping up Avengers, they're stepping into this new genre, which is inspiring. It's going to be great. Finally, something that we did not have to see from this expo was that there's going to be a new Santa Claus reboot. And that's all I have to say about it, is that it's just might be a little useless and not needed. All right, so now one of the culture stories that this week that were amazing. Uh, first, I want to talk about Jaden Beard's article on the rise of casual social media. She really talked about Be Real and how it's breeding like authenticity on a platform that has like n- like never been known a true and authentic inauthenticity like we've always felt like life has been curated on these social media sites so I was really excited to read her thoughts on that basically trying to see that be real is going to be the new social media that people are looking to for like authenticity like Instagram like Snapchat however it's become more of a curated shove my perfect life down your throat whenever you're on social media kind of thing. She also talked about how Be Real could be the next one to do that, but hopefully not so much and we're going to see more of a casual social media rise as like Finstas have become popular. So hopefully that is what trajectory we're on for social media. Anyways, I also talked about this week, I did Billy on the Street style interviews with the Queen literally dying, I think I went literally dying 15 minutes after it happened. I was out on the street out on the street making a TikTok for the state news, like getting in interviews. I think my 
article was in within an hour, so that was really interesting. I revealed that The Price is Right Live is coming to the Wharton Center, so that'll be a big um, game show thing that people can see near the end of October. So that's something that The Wharton doesn't usually do. So I'm actually really excited to see how they'll set up a game show rather than a Broadway show. I spoke to some of the Broad Art Museum board of directors on their vision for the museum and how it's changed over the past couple of years with differences in directors and looking into what they think will make the Broad Museum better. Um, and finally, I also did the Don't Worry Darling Tea, which you already know so much about from last week's um, podcast. So that was really, really fun. This coming week, I'm writing more stories on the political side of things, which is my second major. So um, always interested in politics, always looking for tips on politics. I'm probably going to be writing more about the uh, a deep dive into the abortion ban article of Michigan that came from 1931 and some of its weird stipulations that come with it, as well as a story on Candace Owens coming to MSU through Turning Point. So that'll be really great this week. Um, to fill you in on some of the personal things that I'm doing this week, I am going to see Elizabeth McAlpine in concert. So I will fill you in on how that is. I'm going to see uh, her at the EL Club in Detroit. It's sold out, $25 tickets, so it's really just a dream concert for me. Um, so I'm very excited. She's been one of my favorite artists since the pandemic. She blew up on TikTok, so I'm very, very excited to see what she does live. Finally, my favorite yik yak of the day was found my designated bathroom on campus. <laughs> great to know, we've all been there. Community style bathrooms are great, aren't they? Anyways, that's it for this week of House Lights. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week with more drama, more tea. I'll fill you in on how the concert went and why I love Liz McAlpine as an artist. So thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.